Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. My name is Mike, and this week we have a really special dude that has done some crazy things with me in the Sheridan, Wyoming area. And I'm really excited to sit down and talk with Mr. John Curlin. John, you ready to go for a run? Yes. All right. So, John, let's start with kind of tell us a little about yourself, your background, your family, and all that good stuff. Oh, man. So, yeah, live here in the Sheridan area. Grew up in Casper, Wyoming, though. My wife as well, Amanda, and we've got two little girls, Annika and Evie. Annika is a a three-year-old little ball of energy, and Evie is now eight months and going to be even more energetic. Um, Gets that kind of from both of us. That's really why I run anymore, so I'm in shape (laughs) to keep up when they start moving that. Like, Yeah, it's... I thought running long distances and racing all my life was exhausting, but kiddos, man, they're kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They are tr- the true ultra test. But, so what do you do now? So I'm, now uh, and it's changed a lot. So Yeah, it changed yeah. a lot. Um, I'm carpenter currently with Habitat for Humanity of the Eastern Bighorns. I also am race director for the, the Dead Sweet um, Gravel Bicycle Race. And I'm co-owner in that with um, Jordan and Callie LeDuc, who also own um, Sheridan Bicycle Company. Then I've launched a catch-all, if you will, of consulting practice, helping put on events and or consult with business management with nonprofits or things like that um, called Cirque Solutions. And then, yeah, also professional traveling musician from time to time. And that's that's my favorite part is the professional traveling musician because John's not like your standard hey just sit down with a guitar and <laughs> and play a little song he does it all man and it is yeah. awesome to watch it's a lot of fun yeah do a lot of music and just yeah i grew up playing music both my parents were music teachers but also grew up doing athletics also going cross-country skiing a lot with my dad when we could start walking he put us on skis and we'd wow. ski around in the backyard and so yeah my real exposure with endurance athletics was cross-country skiing I'd watch the high school team, and that was when I first introduced, like, to skate skiing. Grew up training on the trails on Casper Mountain and just know those, like, the back of my hand. Cross-country running was more of a – it was fall sport, and it got us ready for ski season. But we were definitely all about the ski team. Now, which high school did you go to? Natrona County. Okay. Yeah. And you're doing Nordic – Skating classic. Okay. It's fun. And on the mountain, it's the best place to get out of the land. So, yeah, we spent all of our time up there. So, did you go all the way through high school? Yeah, I went competing? through high school competing um, as a state champion my senior year. Oh, cool. And so, which was... Wait, you was, beat Justin Kenner? Oh, yeah. We grew up racing together all the time. And, there, yeah, there were times he would beat me and I would beat him. My senior year, things went well. I ended up becoming state champion. That is amazing. And so after high school, did you continue to ski or did, continue did you to start ski running? with the junior national team? I also during my senior year, I qualified for the Intermountain Northern USSA Junior National Team. Oh wow! Where did the skiing culminate? Because so then I went okay. down to Laramie and skied for the University of Wyoming club team. Over my career there, I had. 15 All-American titles. That's awesome. As a, wow. a skier in college cool. for USCSA. And yeah, it was it was super fun. I did all, so all my big So once you got traveling. done with college, did you continue with the skiing? No. Because now, now you're working, right? 
now, 2012 are you still through 14. running and stuff? Because this is about, so I I'm still running and riding bike. I was, so. I was doing a lot of cycling um, okay. at the time. So this, is this where you got into like the mountain biking and the gravel yeah. stuff? Yeah, I started okay. you know, doing a lot of mountain biking. Started getting to cyclocross and yeah. 2014, I, I created a, a nonprofit called Bike Safe Wyoming, all about bringing awareness to cycling and, and just safety. And in that yeah, year, there were, none of that there was, I think, three or four casualties in the state of Wyoming that year alone. Man and I got married in September of 15, and here we are in February of 16. So, we haven't even been married a year. So, right. I call Amanda on the drive home, like, hey, do you want to move to Sheridan? <laughs> you know, I got offered a job here at, at the brewery, and so it could be you know, a good way for us to start this chapter of our lives together. And so, we got to try and find her a job, and the next week, an opening at the school district opened up, and so she applied on a Monday, interviewed on a Wednesday, we were hired on a Friday. Oh, my kind of, So, everything just fell into place. Like, it's just, yeah, God's providence there was just working full force. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're moving to Sheridan. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you move up here. How did you get into the running and biking scene up here? So... I saw them when I went and rode my bike up Tongue Canyon and rode up and came back down. They were, I was on my way down and they were shuttling, they were hiking a section on their way up with their bikes and we both like, he was wearing the kit and I was wearing the kit. I'm like, oh, wait no. a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time yeah. you met yeah. Tongue River Canyon. <laughs> yeah. And That's then, hilarious. So it was pretty funny. And then just, yeah, just got plugged in right away. With the the cycling scene, and then I started thinking, you know, put together a hundred mile kind of big gravel ride, and that's when the the Dead Swede kind of formed. I started coming up with this idea for the Dead Swede and working with Jordan on that, and and we started looking. at it. I was like, well, let's just turn it into an actual event, and you know, see if see if it sticks. See if people show up. Yeah, and is this two thousand seventeen? This was two thousand seventeen, first okay. year that we did it, and so and. Planned on, you know, if we get 50 people to show up to do this, we had just the 100-mile and a 40-mile option. And we thought, you know, between the two distances, if we get 50 people, great. That's going to be huge. We had 150 people yeah. for that first year. I was like, okay. And it was a huge success. And we had a great time. I had the Jalon Crossland Band playing down at Blacktooth at night. And we had a good street fair and party. And yeah, I worked at Aid Station yeah. in Dayton. That's right. Yeah. It was, and, it was an absolute blast. Yeah. And what a learning experience. Bikers do stuff differently. Than oh, farmers. man. They do. <laughs> and that's and as a race director now, looking at things, you know, the support that cyclists want and need versus the support that runners want and need. It's, it's been wild and just the differences there. We just had our seventh year. And how many people it. raced this year? We had 940. 940. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to cap it and I'll cap it in 2024. We'll and cap you're it at 1200. from states. Yeah, we had 27 over. different states represented for this year. That's and so amazing. We added a couple of distances. So, yeah, we've got the 20, the 40, a 60, and 100 mile options. Wow. Or and the 100 is not easy because yeah. you got to go up Red Grape. Right? Yeah, well, we we changed that this oh, year too. Um, okay. We were going up Red Grape, but the numbers just weren't kind of there that I was thinking. Um, and I've had to reroute a couple of times because oh, yeah, it's because the first it. weekend in yeah. June and it will snow that week before. Yep. And then I, so I'm like, oh, I'm not going to send. 
people up there are already spread out. I don't want them to get lost in the mountains yeah. up there because that's dangerous. So, so we change that. Route? So the new route, rather than hitting red grade, we actually go out towards, uh, we hit Upper Cat and then onto Dow Prong. And so we hit those three, I call them the three sisters, those rolling hills on yeah. Upper Cat there off of 14 on your way to Ucross in Dow Prong. And then we go Piney Creek just to the bottom of the, the north end of DeSmet. And then through Story on the Wagon Box Road. Oh, cool. And then down from Story over to Bird Farm and the Polo Fields. And then into Bighorn. And then we get back on our regular course from okay. Bighorn. And now you're back the on the onto, big gravel and Yeah, everything. gravel cool. there from um, yeah, Bighorn. So they've got to make a little bit of a transition there. Cause, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still like... We actually, the, the original or the previous course up Red Grade was actually only 96 miles. This one's right on 100 and a half. So we gained four miles, but only lost about a thousand in vert, and it's still really? over. It's still over eight thousand in total, or just right about eight thousand total vert for the the course. That's and so it's still got yeah. climbs, but it's fast and it's fun, and the gravel and just the weather is just more consistent. Yeah, we'll be able to have it every year, there, yeah. the same. And it's all there are a couple of sections like the dry weather road, and then south side wagon box that can get a little soupy. Yeah, but on that everything is pretty yeah, but they're smaller they're sections, smaller so sections. Can, and so yeah manageable and so. yeah. Car- exactly and so and we, yeah we had our biggest numbers in that this year that's and awesome so we sold out every distance yeah and now have you ever raced your own race nope Amanda I've, has though right Amanda has okay yeah Amanda and Kelly have Jordan and I haven't raced it um, that I've, so fun. I've always as a race director I've always had the rule is if you're a director you don't get a race you okay. don't get a ride if you have if if you want to be the director, then be the director. If you want yep. to be a writer, hire a director. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm here to put on a quality experience for everyone that's showing up. And so I want to do my very level best that to do that. Awesome. So now at what point did you transition to Antelope Butte? I think that was twenty fifteen. Yeah. So the first Antelope Butte running race in July, was that in twenty fifteen? Yeah. Did but, that uh, in conjunction I, with a music festival. Yeah, in conjunction yeah, music festival and yeah, there's the the running race, there's a bike race. My first actual interaction with Antelope Butte was I was hired on as a musician before we even lived in Sheridan. And I came up and did the bike race and then played music after the race later in the afternoon. Right. And it's funny because I did the race and I was like it was mostly like a downhill course, and I was full on XC guy. And I was like, I get down to the bottom, and they're like, oh, "What do you think?" It's like I haven't pedaled for like an hour, <laughs> and I was planning on pedaling more than this. So I we're down at you know past Shell Falls down there at the little campsite there. Yeah. So I just like well. They're shuttling people back up. And I just decided to pedal my way back. There you up. go. I bonked halfway through. You know, <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, I thought that was the most evil fifty k I've ever done. Yeah, it's, it's, because it's just absolutely cruel. Because you know, you start where the music festival is. Yeah, you run out and up the mountain and around and down through the river and you know down yeah, through the river a couple again, more times like and down crossings. through the river one more time. And then you do that really Go really evil climb that, up. Yeah. yeah, the really evil that yeah that, that big one. steep climb yeah. on what Which is that? Is, yeah, there's no footing. Yeah. It's all gravel mm-hmm. and yeah, evil. And then you come back down and you're at the thing, and they say, okay, now turn around, do it again. Yeah, go again. 
Like, while there's, there's music food and there. food and there's beer, beer over like, there. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's evil. Yeah, yeah, sometimes loop courses are not good. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was, yeah, it was fun in conjunction there. And that's so. the first time I met you, yeah. I think, was in 2017. Yeah, probably. 2017 then. Yeah. Yeah, then I was with Antelope Butte. We, we worked that and continued to grow and the, the ski area up and running. We ran for a couple of years without a lodge, but we got lifts going. And because my experience as a PE teacher and my professional background there, I developed a cross-country ski and downhill curriculum and standardized unit that I took to the, the school district and said, hey, here's this unit. It's a week long. We'll come to the school. I've got cross-country skis in a trailer, a little snowmobile groomer, and I groomed at the school and then had kids, elementary no school way. kids. No did you do that? And I, so I did it. Yeah, 2018, I started doing that. And we went to the schools. Again, one-man show. I, I go there on like Sunday or Monday, and I'd groom. And I'd get the kids sized into their boots and now fitted in the gym and working on, you know, the athletic body position and balance and stability and then, Got them on skis on the next day, and we just grouped all of them. We just we would combine all the fifth grade classes. So I had me and anywhere from forty five to sixty fifth graders, That's awesome. and just getting them on snow and learning how to slide and glide and skate ski and classic ski a little bit. And this whole unit based off of the the fifth grade elementary okay. state standards. And you and did that all the way up until COVID, right? Yeah. Did that all the way through, and then they would go up to the the mountain on the Friday, and we get them on um, downhill skis oh, and cool. do that, and do this whole program with them. We yeah, we started with the magic carpet, and then our little bunny slope for the the first year that we opened lifts. That's nice. And yeah, porta potties and a yurt that we built as a temporary lodge. Yeah, and then. Yeah, I started with, I think I had four elementary schools that first year. And then after year five, when I finally, when I actually got the lodge open going and things running, I stepped down, I, I left. But we had 12 elementary schools. Wow. That yeah. we did that I with. Yeah. yeah, we did all of the District 1 and District 2 elementary schools and Sheridan. Then we also hit Gray Bowl. And we That's had amazing. those as well. And so, yeah, it was a great program. So you're getting a ton of kids yeah. that would never have gotten yeah, to the never, several of these kids had never been to the mountain before. Yeah. Like, and it was uh, mind-boggling to me that how many kids, you know, the mountains are right yeah, there. Yeah, grow, grew up right here and never, get never up there. got up there. Yeah. And so I'm giving them that opportunity because the, the mission of the foundation was to provide affordable and accessible year-round mountain recreation training and educational opportunities with a focus on youth and beginners. And you did it. And we did that. That yeah. was, and I always, when we hired things on, we brought things and we started program, I said, went back to that mission. If what we do isn't mission driven and we're not reflecting that mission, it's the wrong thing to be doing. Yeah. And so, but, and that's what we did and just created this new generation and culture of yeah. kids and families. Going up the so then, was it 2019 where you uh, had your little? 2019, we with your knee. Yeah, it was that because um, you winter. you ran Bighorn 50. I ran Bighorn 50 that year in 2018. I think right? maybe it's 2018. 
Yeah, because you yeah. and I went up and, mm-hmm. and that's right. Uh, yeah, I still love the iconic picture of us it's, going. Of course, we can make it up to up to bear camp. Yeah, we can from totally Sally's do that. Of course, we can up to our crotches up to our snow. crotches and snow. And you were in shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's one of my favorite runs, and we yeah. made it. We not we, only made it to bear camp, but we made it all the way up until yeah. We ran all the way to. Where you could see down into Cow yeah, Camp. Yeah, And then exactly. we were like, well, maybe we should we, we go, go back now. Because I think there were some black clouds. And yeah, thought, a storm you know, come yeah. in. And so <laughs> that was fun. My first time even in the Little Horn Canyon. Never never been there. And so yeah, had signed up for the the 50. And you did really good. I, I did pretty solid there. My, you, had a, you had a rough spot. After, kind of a rough spot there after Dry Fork. Yeah. Coming into Dry Fork. They're really out of Cow Camp. You know, coming up into Dry Fork, and there's all the, the spectators and the cowbells and people cheering yep. you on. And I, I startled because someone was cheering, and they were right next to me. and said, good job, runner. And I, oh, I got startled, and I looked behind me because I thought someone was running me. Because right. I was like, well, they're not talking to me. I haven't ran in seven miles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are talking Nobody to me, has. though. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, was like, running seven miles. I haven't ran for the last seven miles. Who are they talking to? <laughs> Oh my god! That's and I got yeah, I got there to to drive fork, and I just I sat in the chair and um, questioned your life. Question, yeah. And <laughs> someone gave me some some cheeseburgers. I think it was Christy Haswell that grabbed me a couple of cheeseburgers and threw my feet into a wash bucket, and I just sat there and I changed out my shoes and just got kind of my mind right around what was coming next on uh, just the descent because I've, I've never really had a good descent down that. My knees have always kind of blown up on me and they were already tight. And so I was just kind of like, okay, well, we'll get, we'll get through this. I'll probably might have to walk all the rest of the, the next 18, but we'll get through it. And coming up over the ridge uh, where we get on that single track and then yeah. you start dropping back down through that little campground area and I usually never race with headphones. And I know some people do it all the time. I just, in long runs, I don't, I, I want to be out there. I want to be present. Yeah. And I, um, but I was just in a low spot and I was just, I was sore. I was tight. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put on the headphones, put on some music and get me through. And so I stopped, got the headphones out, put them in. And in the time that I was maybe stopped, not even two full minutes. I went to take my first step after stop, and I fell flat on my face. Oh, my, my knees were both just seized up so tight, and I just – I was like, oh, and I just literally fell over. And like, crap. I'm two miles from Dry Fork. Yeah. Amanda's already left already and expecting left. me, and yep. so I'm going to either have to find a ride. Like I have six to go miles two miles back, machine. and I'm like – I'll at least walk in the direction of the finish line. Right. Because maybe something will turn around and feel good. And then I loosened up a little bit and I could, okay, walk. And I could turn it into kind of a shuffle and jog. And then, okay, then back to a walk. A couple people and I kind of leapfrogged each other there for a little bit until we got onto the single track before Upper Sheep. And then I got on that single track and then everything just... I just got into a rhythm. Oh, and well, that's I just magical single track. Yeah. Anyway, that's, and that's I just got into run. this rhythm. And I remember even Ryan White 
just like he saw me at Dry Fork. He's like, yeah, I look like he's like, man, you look like garbage there. And then all, and then I saw him. And I was like, hey man, he was just like in awe that I just came just bouncing around him there. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, gotta go, see ya. Yeah, and then just continued to put together a good next section of the race. Got up over the the wall there and started descending. <laughs> That you know, I that that, 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 that descent there before we get to Upper Sheep is just I've never had a good descent there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I end up just really going. I just walk backwards on some of those, and just because that's all my legs can handle, yeah. and my because my knees were so tight, and it was just yeah. <laughs> but then got to Lower Sheep, and I think Jack Eccles. Was there and you want a beer? But sure do. Chug Coors Light real quick, and then I then continued down the rest of Tongue Canyon, and that was the best I've ever run down Tongue Canyon. Yeah, and I'm just picking off people that you know the shorter distances that you know they were used to the people walking these. Walking, yeah, they weren't expecting shuffle. anyone. It's a death shuffle. Yeah, expecting anyone to be like yeah. jumping rocks. Yeah, from behind them, and here I and I get down to Trailhead, and I see someone else, and they're oh my T Banger shot. It's like, well, I'm not going to stop, so I'm just going to keep moving. Yeah, I threw down a couple eight minute miles there on the road at the end. Yeah, at the end, I got to home stretch, and Amanda showed up. I had a popsicle, and then seized up and walked the rest of the way in. Oh, (laughs) it was a popsicle. Yeah, yeah, the home stretch, and then it's like, oh, that hurts. I mean, I walk. You can't walk the rest of the way in because yeah. as soon as you get across the bridge, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you get on that pavement yeah, and you, you I get walk. I pull the corner there by the elk and get into the park. Oh, that was so painful! I did not want to run ever. I it, it, I've had three finishes. I did not want to run, but you just can't help yourself because yeah, there's you, so many people. The people there, and it's the atmosphere, and it's just super fun and. So, yeah, ran it in and then just laid down in the river. Yeah, that's and, the best thing. Yeah, and my knees were tight, and I just, oh, I didn't even know really why. And I was just, what's going on? It wasn't until the following weekend we went and did a bike race in Nebraska, and I just rode just kind of casually with Amanda and the LaDukes. Normally, if I go to these, I'll go and ride fast and try and win something while they kind of do the the party ride. And I was like, no, I'll just hang back. And I was so shot and blown up. And it, it dawned on me, if I had my hands on the handlebars, either in the drops or on the hoods of the gravel bike, I could pedal. It was painful, especially on my left, but I could get get around and pedal. But as soon as I took my hand, like to like stretch out my back, took my hands off the bars and try and ride with no hands, I physically couldn't get a full rotation around. Really? On the pedal. I was too painful and I just Is this the point where you knew something was yeah, I knew and you? that's when I was like, what is it in that angle of my hip? Then I realized it is my IT band. Oh my god. Because that insertion point there from the hip yeah. causing that IT to just be so inflamed. Yeah, that's when I realized I've got bad core. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my IT's gone and that's why my knees are gone. Because yeah. my core gave up a long time ago. Yeah. And so you're running just on your legs. And, yeah. Yeah. And running. Hey, would that be a hint for ultra runners, John? Absolutely. Yeah. Like when that core goes, you are, you're just relying on those joints and those legs and, you know, the core is the strongest part of your body. And when your, your big muscles go, then you rely on those little muscles and they don't work as well without it. 
And yeah. so, yeah, definitely getting that, that core strength up just to get through those things and just to be able to maintain not just the high intensity, but low intensity for right. hours on end. Yeah. And so now we'll fast forward a little bit more, yeah. you know, up to kind of current time. So now you're getting ready for Havilene 100, right? Yeah, I am, I am getting ready to bite off my, my first 100 mile there and picked Havilene because it's a good time of year. Yeah. Um, uh, I was bouncing back and forth between Bighorn because it's, you know, local race and I know the course. Right. But it's Bighorn's two weeks after putting on the dead street. Yeah. And so, end of October, in the desert, there's just shy of 7,000 vert yeah. for the whole 100 miles. So, it's a relatively flat course. Yeah. And I've got a bunch of family down there. Oh, cool. And so, so it's like we got crew and it just made sense to... To pick this one, and awesome. it looks like a really fun time. So, what is the big thing that you're concentrating on training? Because I've noticed that it's not like the big long runs and stuff like that. Yes, like I, I love the way you're training. So, I've been, yeah, I've been really just focusing on just that core stability <laughs> and the, and in the hips, really just the hip flexors and hip strength there, and then you know ground up, targeting kind of the knees, but from the ground up right. and hips down. Yep. And or core down 2019, I blew my ACL at work skiing, and so I really focused on just being equal with my legs there and just focusing on supporting that knee and just always keeping a good strength in my quads, but also my stabilizers and my ankles. Going back to your kinesiology courses at the University of Wyoming, you're going back to them and going, Okay, how do I make this body? Yeah. Do this for 100 miles. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And yeah, and plus, you know, you hear, I got this little eight month old here, and yeah. my, my toddler, there's on top of full time job. And so I can't go put in those big, long back to back miles and weekends. And it's, it's hard on the family. It's yeah. like, okay, I get a couple hours maybe on a weekend to go do something. If, yeah. I, if I'm feeling, if I really get up early, <laughs> yeah, I can go put in you know a thirty miler, but yeah. that's the most. But, yeah, how many, how often does that happen? No, now, for a hundred miler, I don't think you have to do these no. things. I think the six to twelve to you know fifteen mile run, totally. and then follow that up with a six mile run. Yeah, is just as beneficial if mm-hmm. you're concentrating. Quality. We always used to say it as a musician, and athletes now say it too, practice makes perfect. But no, if you're practicing garbage, you're going to have a lot of garbage. Yep. Perfect practice makes perfect. Here's the last question I like to ask you. Yeah. What does it mean to you when you hear living an ultra life? Oh, man. I always love your, your responses on that when, when you do ask that. I really... And we, we talked a little bit about this when, when I was out in Virginia and visiting with you. It's like connecting with other people and pushing pushing your limits. Really, to me lately, it's like to inspire others and to connect others to live to their potential as well. Can I go run 100 miles? I think so. Training for it. Uh, talking to other people that are now like, can I go run one mile? And they are. Can I go run 10 miles? And they are. And because... Learning that they have potential too, amongst with kids or schedules and things like that. In ultra life, it's about the endurance 
and to endure. Yeah. You're going to have peaks, you're going to have valleys, you're going to bonk. Yep. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultralife.